You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I'm Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorahgmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can, or you could send your questions and comments to our webpage at letstalktorah.net. And everything is there. You can find the old shows. You can sign up for any podcast platform you wish because the show is on all of them. Um, whatever works for you, you can check out my donate button. We have different levels, different sponsorships um, to help the show grow, to help other people enjoy the same show you're listening to because we have no advertising, right? So you just get to listen straight. So instead of the advertising, eh, if you could hit that donate button, that would be greatly appreciated. Of course, I do thank you in advance. The weather is hot. This has been a really hot week, and I am so happy. I love warm weather. Um, I think I especially love warm weather because the winter gets so cold. But now we've been having a really beautiful week. High 80s every day. Pretty dry. Not too humid. So nice hot weather. Uh, it's been good for my flowers, but watering my flowers. I would say my wife's flowers, but I'm the one taking care of it, so it could be my flowers. Um, the grass that I've been planting, and I, I've been uh, putting dirt around my house, and there was an area in the backyard I leveled up and ripping out the roots. I've been uh, getting into the gardening stuff, you know. I, I enjoy it. I'm pretty much done with it. Got everything planted. Got hay all over the grass. The new grass is growing up. Trying to tell my lawnmower guy where he could go, where he can't go. Um, it's really been a beautiful week. The weather's been amazing. And, and now I just enjoy my flowers and try not to get too wet every time I move the sprinkler and play with the sprinkler and, you know, whatever. But for those who enjoy warm weather, this is your kind of week. It'll probably cool down next week again, but, you know, we enjoy it while it's here and we don't complain. So this week's Torah portion... This week's Torah portion is Baalaischa, full, full of stuff. Uh, an interesting Torah portion because we have uh, multiple times where we find the Jewish people complaining, running away from Mount Sinai, complaining the traveling is too fast, uh, Moses complaining he needs help, he needs more elders. The elders are killed in this week's Torah portion. And we also have the story with the man. The man or the mana, the heavenly food. I was actually just teaching this to my class today, and they asked a very fascinating question. They said to me, why? Now, man means prepared food. The Jewish people saw it. They had no way of really describing it. So they called it man, and that's the name that we stick with. It's called the Mun. However, the Torah itself 
seems to refer to this man as bread from heaven, heavenly bread. It was spiritual food. Lechem min hashamayim. Even the blessing that you made on this man was that he brings bread from heaven. So the boys asked me, why does the Torah pick the word man? Why do we call it man? We should be calling it bread from heaven. I think that was a very good question. And I'm not totally sure of the answer. But we do find in other places when, when the Jewish people give something a name and when God gives something a name, both names seem to stick. But more important, it is the, it is the name we give it. For example, the holiday of Passover, right, we call it Passover. We do not call it the holiday of matzah. Except in the Torah, we seem to be the ones to refer to the holiday as Passover. And God seems to refer to the holiday as the holiday of matzah. But which one stuck, right? There is power in how we the Jewish people will refer to something. It happens all the time. So we refer to this food as mun because we're incredulous. We don't know what to do with this food. We don't know. We even need permission to eat it and, and what to do with it. Moses gave us instructions and the daily collections and all the other stuff. But the fact that we refer to it as mun, which just means prepared food, there's nothing totally amazing about this word, Right, but that's the word we used. Since that's the word we use, that becomes how it is referred to pretty much forever. Now, another interesting word is parnasa. Parnasa means livelihood. But the truth is, when we refer to parnasa, we refer to the man, we refer to parnasa, they seem to be interchangeable. Because if you think about it, why are you working? You are not working so you can take a vacation in the Bahamas. You're working so you can put food on the table and eat it in a safe environment. So you pay a lot of money for that. You got to pay for the house and the heating and the cooling and the running water and the stove and the gas and the car and the tables and the chairs and the furniture and the kitchen. All so I could have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, or a tuna fish sandwich, or a grilled chicken, right? Or hot dogs, hamburgers, if, for those who eat that, right? Some of us, it doesn't agree with us as well, but the chicken is great, right? So it is interesting that the mun is, what, what is used as a reference to our livelihood. Again, in the desert, all they needed was food. But again, if you do think about it, right, philosophically, it's not even philosophically, at the end of the day, everything we do is so we have something to eat. We want to be comfortable. We want to enjoy it. We want it packaged. So just everything that we do at the end of the day funnels into the idea of what we're sitting and eating at home, on the run, whatever it is, doesn't really matter. But that's really everything gets involved in that. So the mun taught us a fascinating lesson. Taught us a lot of lessons. First of all, you got the money every day. You got how much 
your family needed, which was a measurement. The measurement was called an Omer, which is, I don't know, about 43 and a little bit eggs. So three and a half dozen eggs, right, somewhere around there. Right? That, that amount is how much every person got, and that's how much every person ate. You are not allowed to leave over from it for the next day. No saving, no putting it away. It didn't matter how hard you worked, right? The righteous people were able to get it prepared by the front door. The guys who were okay found it down the street. Uh, the people that were not behaving found it as seeds that had to be ground up into flour and added water, and then you had to make your meal out of it. You know, as an aside, a boy said pretty good to, um, this week. The question always is, why don't I take my neighbors? Which sounds funny, right? Now, this guy's giving you the money. Why do you think you could take your neighbors? But how'd you know? How'd you know when you went out collecting? How'd you know which man was yours and which wasn't? So I still keep searching for a satisfactory answer. Um, a boy in class said one of the answers that's come to mind over the years, but I, I haven't found a proof to this answer yet. And that is maybe you didn't see it as you walked out your front door. You didn't see your neighbor's man. You saw by your front door, there's nothing here. So you start walking down the block. Oh, you see something? Okay, that must be mine. You don't see anything. You walk out into the field. You just keep walking till eventually you get to where all the seeds are. But whatever it is, it didn't really matter how hard you worked or how hard you didn't work. You could fill up a wagon load, and by the time you got home, you had the exact amount you're supposed to have. You could take a teaspoon, and by the time you got home, you had the amount you're supposed to have. So you might ask, you know, so just take a teaspoon, be lazy. So that's an interesting question, and I've thought about this a lot, and I believe the answer is you could. But first of all, human psychology would never let you know that when you take a spoonful, you're going to come home with enough. Can you do it? What if this time it doesn't work? What if this time all you come home with, home with is the spoon? So even though you know, but you don't really know. You're, you're just not convinced. You're not 100% sure you're going to take the right amount. That's one answer I give. A second answer I found over the years is the verse makes it sound like God expects you to take the amount you need. So it could be in the command of the man was at least to the best of your ability. You don't have to be exact because God will take care of the exact when you get home. But at least try to take the right amount and then go home with it. So the lesson here becomes fascinating. The lesson is it doesn't really matter how hard you work. Yes, you're supposed to work. Maybe you're supposed to work hard. But at the end of the day, God's deciding how much you're getting from your hard work. Now, perhaps if you don't work hard, you're not going to get anything. That's a possibility. But if you think that it's all dependent on your work, it's not true. Again, you have to work because that's the way this world is set up. You don't work, you're not, you're not earning a living. That's it. you got to work. With that being said, that you have to work, at the same time, everything that you're getting is only because God lets. And only because that's what God wants you to get. Which leads me to the first story that I ran into this week. So there was a guy, his name was Shlemiel. As they say in Hebrew, Kishmoi Kainhu. He was like his name. 
Nothing worked. He was a slamil. Everything he tried, every business venture, nothing worked. He was a poor guy. Just nothing worked. Anyways, um, he decided he's going to try his luck at the lottery. And he won a tremendous amount of money. He'd be in good shape now for years. So, of course, his friends came and said, Shlemiel, nothing you do ever works. How is it possible? How is it possible that you won the lottery? Like, how did this happen? So he said, I tell you, they had a dream. I had a dream that the winning numbers were 17, 18, and 370. So he said, Shmuel, the winning number was 425. None of those numbers. You could have bought three tickets. You, you, you lose. No, no. I added the three numbers together. At the end of the day, now, by the way, there's another version to the story that when you add up the three numbers, this, in this version of the story, the numbers add up properly. There's another version of the same story where he added the three numbers and he added them wrong. But the point is, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it just doesn't matter. Uh, fix some over here. There we go. It just doesn't matter. Because if God wants, you're going to be successful. If God doesn't want, unfortunately, that hard work is not going to help you very much. But the mun, the, the purpose, I say the only purpose, but one of the purposes of the mun is to teach us that success depends on God, not on me and you, not on our work, not on how smart we are, not on which kind of school we went to, not who our family is. Again, we live in a world. You have to work. You have to do whatever it takes. Some will be more successful. Some will be less successful. Some won't be successful at all. Some will be the next uh, Elon Musk or, or whoever other wealthy person you can imagine. But it's happening because God wants. Yes, God will give you the tools. God will help you out. But at the end of the day, you see from the mun, the success is in God's hands. He is deciding who is successful, who's not successful. There are a few other interesting um, ideas that come out because the mun came daily. So first of all, think about it. The Jewish people are going to be in the desert for 40 years. And at the drop of a hat, God can say, okay, we're traveling. Cloud goes up, moves in front of the Jewish people. The trumpets start blowing. Time to pack up the houses, load up the animals. We're moving. Imagine for a second you received a monthly allotment of money. So now when it's time to pack up, what if it's only day two after we got the money? So you're going to have to load up a month's worth of food for your whole family. I go shopping too often, right? We eat a lot of food, right? If you had to pack up for a month, that's a lot of stuff. So God says you only get money once a day. So even when we travel, so how much food do you have to worry about carrying with you? As soon as we get to a new location, the next morning you're getting new food. So that's one benefit. Um, another benefit is the fact that the man teaches us that God wants us to talk to him every day. The story is told there was a king, and the king um, liked to talk to his son. 
one of the princes, and the son would come every year, talk to the king, they'd have a nice lunch, and at the end of the lunch, the king said, okay, what are your expenses this year? Uh, Father, I believe I'm going to need a million dollars this year. No problem. The king takes out a checkbook, writes a check for one million dollars, gives it to his son, and the son says, okay, see you next year. And the king is sitting there, he says, you know, wouldn't it be nice if my son, you know, picked up the phone and called me a little more often. If I got to chit-chat with my son a little more often, I mean, I don't like only seeing him once a year. I mean, it's nice seeing him once a year, but only once a year? I have to think of a plan. So the next year, the, again, lunch appointment, they go out to lunch, the father's sitting with the son, and again, the father says, so how much do you need for this year? I figure a million dollars should cover it. So the father says, great, takes out his checkbook and hands a check to his son. And the son looks at the check and says, um, father, you made a mistake. No, 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 no mistake. What mistake? So the, the check is for $3,000. $3,000 will last me for one day. So the king said, come back tomorrow. I'll write you another check because I love to talk to you. And the only time I get to talk to you is when you ask me for money. So I am happy to give you money every single day. I would like you to talk to me every single day. So God does the same thing. Just imagine if God gave us a monthly allotment of food of money. So how often are you going to talk to God? Every day? Why? I don't need to talk to God every day. Two or three days before the end of the month, I make sure I'm on time for prayer and I start praying. And if God gives me a, a, an allotment every three months, I'll talk to God every three months. And if he gives me food every six months, I'll talk every six months or every year. So Rosh Hashanah is perfect for me. Once a year, I'll show up, talk to God. But God really wants me talking to him every day. If the man comes every day. Now, we didn't discuss this in detail um, this, in this show. But the, the man, if you left it overnight, it spoiled. It didn't just spoil. It, it really spoiled. It started smelling horrible as soon as it was a new day. And worms were coming out of it. I mean, it was, it was unedible and the neighborhood knew that you left your money over. You did not leave over money. So you went to bed with no food left in the pantry. Knowing, hoping, believing that God's going to take care of you and have money the next morning. You're probably going to talk to God. You're probably going to pray because, yeah, it's true yesterday God gave me money. And it's true that before that God gave me money and the day before. But what does that do with tomorrow? How do I know that God is going to give me food tomorrow. I better pray. So another beautiful thing that comes out that the mun fell new every day and you weren't allowed to leave over for the mun was that you learned that God, it's not that I have to talk to God every day. I should want. You know, as if I know that God wants to talk to me every day, I got to take, I got to take advantage of that opportunity and talk to God every day. God wants to talk to me, I am here. Which, by the way, is what we do in our daily prayers. We actually get to do it three times a day. You could do it a hundred times a day if you wish. 
So with my last few minutes, um, there is an amazing story, which fits into the Torah portion, not as much with the Mun, but just an amazing story, and I will do my best to get through this story in my next few minutes. So there's a young man by the name of Avremel Greenbaum. And he was a young man during the Holocaust. And although he managed to survive, but he lost his entire family in the conflagration of the Holocaust. After the war, he emigrated to the United States. He renounced his religion. I guess that's like saying you want to... You don't want to be a, an American citizen, so you renounce your citizenship. I'm not exactly sure how that works. And he decided he wanted nothing to do with Judaism, and he no longer called himself Avremel Greenbaum. He became Aaron Green. Following opportunities, he ended up moving to Alabama, and even though he wasn't religious, but he happened to have married a Jewish woman, but they decided that in their home, no one would know they're Jewish. Nothing Jewish in their house, no religion in their house, nothing. And they had a son. Their oldest son's name was Jeffrey. And they made sure to raise him devoid of all religion and any Jewish observance. But the day came, Jeffrey turned 13. Well, the father's not making a bar mitzvah for him. He doesn't do anything Jewish. He doesn't even know he's Jewish. The father... This Aaron, this now Aaron Green, told son Jeffrey, now, you know, 13, it's a special birthday. Um, I'm going to take you to the mall. It seems this Aaron was a wealthy man. He was very successful. He said, I'm going to take you to the mall. We'll walk around the mall. You can pick one thing in the mall, whatever makes you happy. Anything you want, you can buy it. Sky's the limit. Now, I imagine nowadays many children uh, heading off to the Apple store, give me the latest Apple phone. So Jeffrey's to the mall, he's walking around in the big electronics store, but nothing really excited Jeffrey. Um, none of the gadgets. So he's in the store and he sees there's an antique store. So he's pretty interested, it looks interesting. So he says to his father, do you mind if we go to the antique store? So the father said, no, a deal's a deal. Anything that excites you, you can buy. He walks into this antique store, and he's mesmerized by the different artifacts. And um, he's looking around, and he sees an old wooden menorah. Fascinating. Um, he spoke to the storekeeper. He learned it's called the menorah. So he said, Dad, I want that menorah. His father couldn't believe it. You can have anything you want in the home wall. You want this old Jewish artifact. What is wrong with you? But he couldn't talk his son out of it. So Aaron goes to the, to the storekeeper, and he says, what's the price of that menorah? This man says, not for sale. He says, what do you mean it's not for sale? It, we're in a store. Everything here is for sale. So he says that, uh, you know, I apologize. I put it on the shelf. Um, but I found out that a man during World War II had uh, constructed this menorah, and the story is very, um, is very amazing, and I don't really want to sell it. It's a collector's item. So he, he finally, maybe that was the guy's idea, but he, he bought it for an exorbitant amount. 
So the boy was so excited, he takes it home. Um, he was playing with it, and while the parents are downstairs, all of a sudden they hear a crash from upstairs. They ran upstairs, and the menorah is in pieces, and the son's trying to build it, and he's all upset, and the father's yelling at him, we just spent all this money, and this is how you treat something that I buy, with, I buy for you. But the, the father saw the son was all upset, and uh, he really felt bad. So he said, let's try to put it back together. So while they're putting it back together, they see one of the pieces cracked, so Aaron noticed there's a there's a like a scroll, a piece of paper in the in the we're gonna have to get back to this story because the music is playing and I am leaving you hanging and I hate to do that to you, but the story's over. So in any case, the music's playing. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, Wes, for wonderful response and listener. I can't do it without you. Thank you to our wonderful production team. We have Alan and Jen in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time. I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on our Streamcast. Till next time, don't forget to think about it.